Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson will be The Inner Conflict. The, inter, the Inner Conflict, brothers and sisters. As we'll learn today, the scriptures clearly teach that the believer has two natures, brothers and sisters. And in order to win the war within, we must understand the magnitude of the inner conflict, brothers and sisters. We're going to start in Hebrews. A little New Testament today, brothers and sisters. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first and second verses. Please follow us there. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us do what? Lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, this verse shows that there are hindrances to the completion in the race of faith, brothers and sisters. I really want you to look at it closely because Paul warns us not to encumber ourselves with anything that was heavy. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Now, brothers and sisters, when you're in a race, right, you don't want any extra weights on you. What weight is he referring to? And the sin which so which does so easily beset us. And the what, brother? And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And the sin that besets us, brothers and sisters. So look, we should remove all which would obstruct our progression on this course. Continue, brother. Verse 2. Looking on a Christ, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured what, brother? The cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, that's completion, brothers and sisters. So we are to run the race without allowing ourselves to be hindered by any obstructions, according to Hebrews, brothers and sisters. There are going to be things we're going to have to let go in order to complete this race. See? The author is telling you the things that you need to really examine yourself. There's some things that you may be trying to carry. See? Why? Because you can't get in his kingdom with all your baggage. That's what Christ was telling the rich man. He said, well, listen, sell everything you have. Because you're trying to get into my kingdom with all your baggage. When it talks about uh, the, the, the eye of a camel, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, the needle, Brothers and sisters, when you go into a city, there would be like a kind of like a frame, a door frame, so to speak. And when a camel would come into the city, it would have to take off all the luggage that it's actually carrying and then bend its head down. So it couldn't go through with all the, the baggage hanging all on the sides. So that's what Christ was referring to. You're going to have to let go some you're going to have to let go of some things in order to make this. So we've already now established what? We've established that there is a race, brothers and sisters. We have also established that there's certain things that could hinder us from completing, brothers and sisters. See? So there is a race we must complete. It's not good enough just to be racing. If you don't complete the race, then why was all of this? 
brothers and sisters. So the author said, set aside the weight. And then he went more into detail and said, the sin which doeth so easily beset us. Brothers and sisters, let us show you. Let's talk more about the race. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's see what Paul had to say about this race, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. We're going to have Brother Joshua read the 24th through the 27th verse. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that ye may obtain. So Paul introduces an athletic metaphor to illustrate his point. Listen to it again, brothers and sisters. Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that ye may obtain. See, so look at that. The apostle Paul compares the pursuit of a believer's life to a foot race, brothers and sisters. Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Now look at this. He's talking about training here, brothers and sisters. Why? Because only the foolish attempt to run a marathon without preparation. See, he said every man or woman striving for that mastery must have self-control. They must be temperate. Now, he's showing you that when you're running a race, you know, like the Olympics, they're doing it for something corruptible, a corruptible crown. But we are running a race for something incorruptible, brothers and sisters. So Paul highlights how athletes exercise self-control in all things. Continue, brother. Verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that... The air. Now, what is he talking about, brothers and sisters? He said, I know the race that I'm running. I know why I'm running. Not as one beating the air, as a person, you know, shadow boxing, brothers and sisters. Verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Look at that. The great irony of proclaiming the gospel while living a life that would disqualify us for the spiritual prize. Paul is saying, listen, I had to put my own body into subjection unless I was cast away, even though I'm teaching the word. So look at this, brothers and sisters, no matter how much knowledge you have, whether you're sharing truth, you know, with family, friends, co-workers, you still have the propensity to fall, including me. Brothers and sisters, and we have to, sometimes we, we think we're a finished product because we follow a couple laws. And here it was, Paul, the man who actually wrote the Bible, majority of the Bible, is telling you that he can be cast away. If he doesn't continue, he said, read 27 again, brother. Verse 27, but I keep under my body. But I what? But I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection. He said, I keep my body under subjection. The, the operative word is keep, brothers and sisters. Least, least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You see? So look at that. Never get <clears throat> too big-headed, brothers and sisters, to believe that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm smoothly running. Uh, I'm going to have no issues. That's not biblical. 
brothers and sisters. We all, including myself, have to keep our body in subjection because even though you know scriptures, even though you're sharing the truth, you can be cast away like any other sinner, brothers and sisters. See? So Paul has, in these same verses, he emphasized running the spiritual race in such a way as to win the spiritual prize. In order to do that, we have to deal with that inner conflict. And Paul, he talked about that in the 27th verse in the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. Keeping his body in subjection. Brothers and sisters, let us, let us go to 2 Peter. <clears throat> I'm going to stay in the New Testament for a little while. 2 Peter, the first chapter, the 5th through the 10th verse. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. What's that say, brother? And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Look at this. We're supposed to give all diligence to our walk with the Most High, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please. Verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. Brothers and sisters, we begin our walk with God in faith. But look at this. See, I show a Christian right here. <laughs> Read five one more time, brother. Verse five. And beside this, give all diligence. Now, in order to give all diligence, what has to happen? Add to your faith virtue. No, faith is enough. Add to your faith virtue. Oh, so, faith is not enough. See that, brothers and sisters? Add to your faith. <laughs> See, I take a Christian right here. Why? Because these pastors, these shepherds, have culpability in our current condition, brothers and sisters. You have to add to your faith, meaning faith is not enough. Continue, brother. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindliness, charity. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. The scope of this list demonstrates that God wants us to have a well-rounded inner life. In pursuing these things, we keep from stumbling. You see this? So Christians believe the only thing I have to do is have faith. And that's not true. Even according to the New Testament, Paul said it. Here it is. Peter saying it. Christ said it. See? So don't, brothers and sisters, don't be fooled here. Believing that faith is going to be enough for you to continue or, or for you to complete the, the race. Continue, brother. Verse 8. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Christ. Look at that, brothers and sisters. He's saying if you, if you internalize, or you, you get all of those qualities that we previously stated into your possession, what will happen? You're guaranteed to be fruitful. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. For if these things be in you. And abound, they make they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Christ. Showing you that you can have the knowledge of Christ and still be unfruitful. Showing you you can still be barren, brothers and sisters. He's telling you if you internalize, if you pursue those other qualities that he said add to faith, 
you will be fruitful. See? Continue. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Mm, brothers and sisters, listen to that again, because he who is wanting of these qualities lacks the primary organ of perfect spiritual perception. See that? Any person that says faith is enough, devoid of everything else we just read, is what? Read that again, brother. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. He's what? Is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Read that again, brother. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. See, the first step in making our election sure is we're going to show you, brothers and sisters. Because it means, according to the text, there's something you can do to make your election sure. He wouldn't say, Peter would not say, make your election sure if it wasn't something that was needed, brothers and sisters. Give diligence to make your election sure. Christians have to do this. Because why? They've gotten caught up, brothers and sisters, and rocked to sleep. Satan have used the pastors to rock these Christians to sleep to believe that they're finished products. I don't need to follow no law. I don't need to do anything. I need to just have faith. That's what Satan would want you to believe, brothers and sisters. But according to even the New Testament, you have to give diligence to what? To make your election sure. And we're going to give you the first step. In making that election sure, brothers and sisters. And let's go to the Apocrypha. Brothers and sisters, we're here at Ecclesiasticus 18 and 20. Please follow us to the Apocrypha. Ecclesiasticus, the 18th chapter, the 20th verse. Why? Because the question was, what is the first step in making our election sure? We're going to show you. Ecclesiasticus 18, verse 20. Before judgment, examine thyself. Do what, brother? Examine thyself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. Our number one priority in this life is to examine ourselves, brothers and sisters. And then it gave you a time period in which you need to do it before. What did it say, brother? Verse 20. Before judgment, examine thyself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. See, so he's telling you, before I judge you, you better examine yourself. So according to the text, we should regularly engage in self-examination so that we grow in what? In self-awareness. And then what happens? Then in the, the day of visitation, when it's the, the day of wrath, the Most High's wrath, you'll find mercy. Why? Because you've examined yourself and then cleansed yourself. You found the things within you that was there that you didn't know were there. Something Usually the Most High will have circumstances conspire against you to pull things out of you that's deep down. But it is there. And then you're like, whoa, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> yeah, it's there. The Most High has shown it to you for a reason, brothers and sisters. He will always do this. 
especially while you're in this walk and you're not eating pork and all these things. Uh, sometimes we don't even know that some of the same things we dealt with before are still there, brothers and sisters. So if we do a genuine, authentic self-audit, there's something we should learn about ourselves. What is that? Romans, the seventh chapter, the first verse. There's something we should learn about ourselves if we do a, a genuine, authentic self-audit. And here it is, Paul. Read uh, verse 1 and then jump to verse 22 and 23. Why? Because we want to give you the context first, and then we'll go into the concept. Romans 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So he's speaking to people who understand the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Here Paul emphasizes the authority of the law, brothers and sisters. What law is he speaking of? In this chapter he speaks on a, a few different laws. But here he's speaking of Moses' law. The laws of the Old Testament. The Torah. The Tanakh. He's saying what? What did he say? Verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. He's speaking to Israelites. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. As long as he live. As long as you live, you are under the laws of Moses. Now, jump to verse 22 uh, and 23, brother. Because the question is, what law? We will learn that he's speaking dualistically, brothers and sisters. Because later on in this chapter, he talks about the law of marriage. It talks about a woman, as long as her husband lives, she's under the law of marriage. But then he's talking about something greater here. So he, he first talked about the law of Moses, and now he's speaking of another law, brothers and sisters. We'll learn this. Could you read verse 22 and 23? Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the first law, but you'll see that he's speaking dualistically. But I see another law in my members. I see a what? Another law in my members. See, now here comes another law. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Now look at that. Paul discovers what? He, he discovers an internal battle for what? For supremacy of our soul, brothers and sisters. Remember, he said the law <laughs> have dominion over a man as long as he lived. He was speaking about that law of Moses and this law here. In verse 22, he speaks of the laws of Moses. In 23, he speaks of a law within your members, within your body. Read 22 one more time, brother. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He said, I love the law of the Most High God. But I see another law in my members. But there's something else in my flesh. Warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. See, so there dwells in us, our, in our flesh, a what? A sin principle, a persistent tendency towards sin. Now, Paul wrote the Bible and he's saying this, brothers and sisters. He writes that the law of sin brought him where? Into captivity. A person in captivity is not free, is he? <laughs> so look at that. Look at that closely, brothers and sisters. You see this? The apostle represents himself as engaged in a warfare and being overcome. He said, this other law in my members, that even though I know what's right, 
something is pulling me into doing what's wrong, even though I know it's wrong. That's why he said bringing me into captivity. See? Today's lesson is what, brothers and sisters? It's about the inner conflict. And here it was, Paul, the man who wrote the Bible, the man who knew he was an Israelite from the day he took his first, his first breath, is telling you, with me knowing the law and all that, that's good. But there's still a battle going on inside of me. Now, see, Christians are really not battling anything because they're not following the law. Okay? So you only battle once you awaken to the law being applicable to you. See? Because as long as you think the law is not applicable, you're really not fighting anything. You're only fighting it once you become awakened to that internal battle. See? So the first scripture, Ecclesiasticus said what? Self-examination and you'll find mercy. If you examine yourself, this is what you will find. Read it one more time. 22, please, brother. Romans 7, verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. See, if you do that self-examination, you'll find this. Every man. I don't care how long you know your initial life. I don't care if you have a beard to the ground. I don't care if you have fringes coming out of your nose. You're dealing with this. You are dealing with this. He's talking about another law in my members. What law is he referring to? Second Ezra 3 and 21 gives you what law he's referring to, brothers and sisters. Follow us there. One to the apographer. Ezra is the same Ezra from the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read verse 21 and 22. 2nd Ezra 3, verse 21. For the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed. Now, when it says first Adam, it's speaking of Adam from Genesis. The second Adam, or the, the last Adam that you'll read of in Scripture, is Christ. But this one is referring to the real Adam. Verse 21. For the First Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed and was overcome. And so be all they that are born of him. Thus infirmity was made permanent. What did that say? Thus, in, thus infirmity was made permanent. And the law also in the heart of the people with the malignity of the root. And the what, brother? Malignity of the root. Now look at this, brothers and sisters, because remember Paul said... I delight in the Most High's law, but there's another law in my members. And Second Ezra is telling you what law is referring to. Read 22 one more time, please, brother. Verse 22. Thus infirmity was made permanent, and the law also in the heart of the people, with the malignity of the root, so that the good departed away, and the evil abode still. See, so look at that. That's the law. <laughs> There's a wicked heart that we got from our father, from Adam. Verse 21 said, all they that are born of him. So everyone has this wickedness in them, this wicked, unclean heart. And it talks about malignity of the root. When something's rooted, that means it's deep down, brothers and sisters. So this text highlights the permanent wickedness transferred to all of Adam's progeny, brothers and sisters. Here we read the transmission of evil. So we all have this, including me. Okay? 
All the uh, all the prophets had this. A wicked heart that came from our father Adam that will be there until the end, brothers and sisters. See, and if you deal if you deal with the self examination, you will find this out. Many people do do not examine themselves, brothers. You know, a young man that wants to mature and become a man of God, he has to examine himself. Sisters really, I, you know, sisters without the Bible, they don't examine themselves. Men are supposed to examine themselves, but sisters must do it also, especially Israelite women, Israelite sisters. You have to look within yourself. Find those things that you know are not righteous. Things that do not show you as a righteous daughter of the Most High. And you have to exterminate it. You have to eradicate it. You have to extinguish it. Brothers and sisters. It's not just for brothers here. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. Further proof of what Ezra has given us here. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 20. We're going to have Brother Joshua read verse 9. Proverbs 20 verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. No man can make these two statements about his heart, brothers and sisters. Solomon used the power of the rhetorical negative to teach a man's depravity. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. See, so a prerequisite for wisdom is to know man's nature. It's incurably foolish, brothers and sisters. See that? So what? This, the law, and this particular text is designed to help man recognize he is a sinner in need of cleansing. Don't care how many years you've known you're an Israelite. <laughs> we don't care if you speak fluent ancient Phoenician Hebrew. Okay? Solomon is saying, who can say they're clean and pure? No man. So according to Ezra's, we all have a wicked heart. And Solomon is doing what? Solomon is, he, he's cooperating that point, brothers and sisters. See, this particular text is to make each one of us realize our heart is not clean, brothers and sisters. So the question is not, do you have conflicts? That's not the question. The real question is, are you aware of your conflicts? See? Why? Because a mind with no conflict is not alive, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke 12. Let's go to the gospel. Going to Luke, the 12th chapter, the first and second verse. Listen closely, please. Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, and so much that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Now here it was, a innumerable, a unnumberable multitude of people that came to hear Christ speak. And Christ said, you better beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, anyone who baked know that leaven is what you add, is yeast that you add to some level of bread or, or 
you know, a dish, uh, baking a cake, and a little bit of leaven makes the dough rise. A little bit changes the whole thing, brothers and sisters. And Christ was saying, you have to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, brothers and sisters, for those listening, we're going to ask you a question, and we want you to think about it. What were the first two things you changed? What were the first two laws you began to follow once you came into the knowledge that not only that you're Hebrew, because we have Gentiles listening, but after you came into the knowledge that the law was, we needed to apply the law to us, Jews and Gentiles. Think about that, brothers and sisters. What were the first two things that you changed? Many people will say what? Most people will say the dietary law. I stopped eating the pork and the crab, shrimp, lobster. Most people will say what? The, the, the Sabbath, the holy days. So the main thing that most of our people change is the days of their worship. So they're, they're not doing Christmas. They're not doing Easter. They're not doing Sunday worship. They're dealing with the Sabbath. And of course, the pork, right? Right, brothers and sisters? So we really want you to examine that because what I'm pretty sure you did not say, those listening, is lust. I'm sure you didn't say forgiveness. I'm sure you didn't say anger. I'm sure you didn't say jealousy. I'm sure you didn't say any of those things, right? Malice. None of the things that can be seen, brothers and sisters. See, so most of us, we do what? We point to external things that we can see and say we've changed. But did you change the lust? Did you change the anger? Did you change the envy? Did you change the malice? Did you change the hypocrisy? All those things you notice are where? In your heart. See? So look at this. Christ likened the conduct of the Pharisees to actors, men pretending to play a role. Is this you? Read that from the top, brother, please. Luke 12, verse, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trolled one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered. Now look at this, because he's referring to the heart. He said what, brother? For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. See, so what is he saying? He's telling the disciples that the Pharisees neglected the interior cleaning. See, they followed everything external while neglecting to actually care for the inner man. You see that, brothers and sisters? And that's why Christ said there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Why? Because the Most High will have life conspire against you to pull it out so you can see it. And once you see it, uh-oh, <laughs> now you can do something. See? So Satan doesn't even want you to see it. Because once you see it, now I can address it. You can't address something you don't know is there, brothers and sisters. So being tied to the external conformity only with little concern for the inner man is what? It's pharisaical. And many of us are more pharisaical than we actually know. Because, yeah, you follow the Sabbath. Yeah, you don't eat pork, right? <laughs> what do you do? What about all the other stuff, though? What about the lack of submissiveness? What about the lack of forgiveness? 
What about the lust? What about the anger? What about the malice? <laughs> what about the envy? The jealousy? See that? Look at that, brothers and sisters. What about the idolatry, the things in our heart that we put above the Most High, that we bend our life to? When it talks about high places in the Bible, it's talking about idolatry. Why? Because the things you put high up in your life, those things that you would break God's rules for, that is an idol. We never deal with those things, brothers and sisters, and we have to deal with them today. We have to. Let's go to Matthew, brother, 7 and 21. Understand the gospel here. <clears throat> Matthew, uh, the seventh chapter, the 21st through the 23rd verse. Listen closely to the Messiah. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Read verse 22 again, because all of the things that people will profess, all of these things are, you know, things that can be seen. So he said that they will. their response is what, brother? Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? We prophesied in your name, Christ. We told people about you. And in thy name have cast out devils. We prayed out devils. We dealt, we, you know, we dealt with healing. And in thy name done many wonderful works. See, so look at that. These are all things that are visible, visual brothers and sisters, but that's not what he's referring to. Read 23, brother. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Ye that what, brother? Ye that work iniquity. Mm, so he didn't even point to the external conformity. He pointed to the iniquity, which is invisible sin, brothers and sisters. Iniquity points to what? To the character, to the heart, that which cannot be seen. Brothers and sisters. See? So these people, the Pharisees, they neglected the weightier matters of the heart. And Christ was saying that's the key part right there. Why? Because the law cannot legislate morality, brothers and sisters. A law that says don't eat pork, don't eat crab, shrimp, and lobster, that doesn't change you. And that's what Christ knew. He knew that was not enough to change. You can't legislate Morality, Just like in Babylon, in America, they have laws. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make you a good person. Christ is going to point to the iniquity, the sins of the heart, the ones that your brother and sister, your mother, your wife or husband cannot see. You're going to point to, well, I, I didn't eat pork. I didn't celebrate Christmas. Huh? I was observing the Sabbath. And he's going to point to your heart, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let us prove that iniquity is invisible sin. Because we have to prove that. We can't just make a blanket statement like that and expect you to receive that. We're going to show you. Let's go to Psalms, Brother Joshua, 66 and 18. This is the proof. Now, those who follow our church understand when they see iniquity, what it represents. 
Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart. Where at, brother? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See? Consider what is implied in regarding iniquity in the heart. Right? The words do not point to visible sin. Something in your heart we can't see. <laughs> Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart. What happens? The Lord will not hear me. What happens? The Lord will not hear me. We are reading one of the hindrances to acceptable prayer. Brothers and sisters, the petitions of the insincere are unavailing. See? The danger of harboring iniquity is that it usually goes undetected. Why? Because it can't be seen. And see, that's the danger. And Christ was trying to warn us of that. Anyone can see you eating pork, right? Anyone can see you not celebrating Christmas, but it's those other things that nobody can see but him. He said, nothing that is covered shall go unrevealed, brothers and sisters. This is for all of us. Because this is that next step that you take. Once you've been following the law for a while, you've been in the truth, following the church probably for a few years, there's another step. I've learned that our people, we get rocked back to sleep. Thinking that the only thing I have to do is follow the dietary law and stop celebrating pagan holidays. No, that's the easy part. <laughs> that's the easy part. We're here reading the hardest part, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to prove to you that what iniquity is invisible sin. It's the sins of the heart. Let's go to Psalms 32 and 5. Because we talked about that acceptable prayer or unacceptable prayer, right? Psalms 32 verse 5. <clears throat> I acknowledge my sin on a deep, and mine iniquity have I not hid. And what, brother? Mine iniquity have I not hid. Proven that iniquity can be hidden. It can be covered. It can be concealed. I said... I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. I will do what, brother? Confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. See, so in confession, we must show the Lord the iniquity of our sin. See? So the psalmist, he not only acknowledged it, but he forsook it. You see that, brothers and sisters? You have to actually confess the iniquity. The things that's going on in your heart that you know. You know it's not right. You know that the scripture says you're supposed to forgive. You know that the scripture says you're not supposed to deal with lust. You know that the scripture tells you not to let anger rest in your bosom. You know these things, right? You know that envy is wrong. It's idolatry. But yet, we let those things go because no one can see them. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. So look at that, brothers and sisters. A prompt fulfillment of the proposed confession is followed by what? Prompt forgiveness. <laughs> he said, I acknowledge, my, I, I acknowledge, I confess my transgressions. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You have to confess. You have to confess it, brothers and sisters. This is what we're dealing with today, that inner conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's easy not to eat pork. It's easy 
not to eat crab, shrimp, and lobster. It's easy to observe the Sabbath. That's easy. But it's those other things that are the weightier matters, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 26 and 2. Just a few chapters before. Yeah, 26, verse 2. Psalms 26, verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Brothers and sisters, closely examine David's petition. He knew the hidden man of the heart had the most significance. Listen to it again, please. Verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. See, so examine the intensive form of speech, denoting the innermost thoughts and feelings, brothers and sisters. The result of an examination, to a large extent, is to make one known to himself. You see that, brothers and sisters? In this verse, David calls for the Most High God to examine his morals, his integrity, his ethics. This has nothing to do with pork. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Christmas. So David knew what was important, brothers and sisters. We must know what's important also. You don't need to seem deep to somebody else. <laughs> okay? You don't need to, to show that, you know, for people to be impressed. You need to deal with your heart. All of us. That's the man you have to tie down. You have to tie down that old man that's still there. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew, brother, 23. Matthew 23 and 28. What's that say, brother? Matthew 23, verse 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And what? You are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Further proof that iniquity is inside, brothers and sisters. Our outward appearance of righteousness is only unto men, not according to God. How do we know? Could you read that again? Verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. See, so the text highlights Israel's desire to appear to be holy unto men, but inside, not as the outside. See? Proven that what? The outward conformity to the Mosaic law is not an indication of a pure heart. Brothers and sisters, the text emphasizes what? Our preoccupation with the public exterior of our lives only to protect the inner man's sins. See? The outwardly appear righteous to men but within, full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Why hypocrisy? Because you're the same person telling people to follow God's law and put down pork and, you know, the Sabbath and pagan holidays, and you're dealing with envy. <laughs> and you're dealing with jealousy. You're dealing with anger. You're dealing with malice. You're dealing with no forgiveness. That's the hypocrisy that he's referring to, brothers and sisters. And the Pharisees dealt with this on uh, man on a high level. All the external parts, they were trying to get us to follow. While they was dealing with all this cancer all up inside of them, brothers and sisters. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 and 22. Let's learn something about ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Read the first part, brother. For the Jews require a sign. Look at that. That's concerning. Because naturally we as a people are drawn towards what is tangible. Brothers and sisters, there never was a people more difficult to be persuaded of the truth than Israel. It said the Israelites or the Jews, is speaking of all Israelites, require a sign. See, so we, we find ourselves, you know, more interested in the things that can be seen. And that's very dangerous because the text proves that our people have a tendency to ignore anything that's not visible. And that's what iniquity is. When Christ says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because you're a worker of iniquity. He didn't say because you're eating pork. <laughs> he said because your whole heart is cancerous. You're neglecting that. This is where we are, brothers and sisters. During this time, during the time of the new world order, as the Bible calls it Jacob's trouble, we have to deal with that iniquity. <clears throat> We have to deal with what? That inner conflict, brothers and sisters. Because if you don't, if you can't fight that man, you're going to serve other men for the rest of your life. The Most High said, listen, if you beat that man, I'll put you over all men. Let's go to Galatians, brother. New Testament. Galatians, the fifth chapter, the seventh through the ninth verse. Galatians 5 verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Read that first part, brother. Ye did run well. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now look at that. Because some were making good progress spiritually. They had a good beginning. Continue. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, and little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So look at this. Paul knows that it's not enough to start well. You see that, brothers and sisters? Could you read that from the top? Verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We know that leaven is a metaphor for what? Iniquity, brothers and sisters. Proving that iniquity or leaven will hinder us from finishing the race, brothers and sisters. When a little poison is permitted to infiltrate what is good, it soon becomes poisonous. Brothers and sisters, leaven is subtle and secret in its movements. So is iniquity. We're reading the infectious nature of iniquity, brothers and sisters. Ye did run well. What hindered you? Because anything that hinders your growth, anything that hinders, hinders you to be complete must be shed. It must be shed. There's no other way. A lot of us are trying to carry the part that the Most High is trying to cut away. That's what the circumcision of the heart was about. He was showing us naturally, Israelite men, boys, were to circumcise the foreskin of their flesh, right? 
on the eighth day. What was he teaching us? He was teaching you that what? Just because something is natural doesn't mean it's needed. Because the part that of our flesh that we cut away, it was natural, but it was not needed. And that's what he's showing us, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Mark. We have a lot of New Testament today, brothers and sisters. For those Bible thumpers, for those Christians. We're going to read verse 20 through 23. Mark 7, verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within... From where? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. Where they come from, brother? From within, and defile the man. This passage was written as a warning of the unseen iniquity that resides within. Brothers and sisters, I really want you to examine the source of the defilement. Can you read verse 20 again, brother? Verse 20, And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. See? So Christ fixes our attention not on externalism, but on inward motives. Verse 21, For from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. See, see. So the Most High's primary concern was not external matters. He's most concerned with the condition of my, the condition of our hearts, brothers and sisters. You see that? According to this text, it's entirely possible to act in a way that does not match the truth of your heart. So a person seems like they're deep and they've changed because they've memorized scripture and all this. The Most High doesn't care about memorization, brothers and sisters. He cares about application. See, brothers and sisters. It's all the evil things come from within. It's the heart. Now, we read in Ezra's that we all have that wicked heart. It was made permanent. So anyone saying that they're not dealing with this is a bold-faced liar. A bold-faced liar, according to the Bible. This is the war from within, brothers and sisters. All of us have this battle going on. Let's go to Hebrews, brother, 3. Follows, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 3 and 12. We'll read 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be, be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Read the first part, brethren. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, take heed. So do well to examine thyself or do or what? Risk being destroyed by something from within. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Of what, brother? Of unbelief and departing from the living God. See, so if we're not watchful, our iniquity will turn into unbelief. You see that? Verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Least what, brother? Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Mm. The deceitfulness of iniquity is that it can't be seen, brothers and sisters. And the things that are unseen traditionally go undetected, especially amongst the children of Israel. It said the deceitfulness of the sin. It's the deceptiveness that results in a hardened heart of unbelief. You see that, brothers and sisters? Sin is deceitful, and it leads to a hardened heart of unbelief. This is a, brothers and sisters, today's lesson is for, this is for those who are what? Who are, who are not chewing, excuse me, who are not drinking milk. See, this is for those who can choose strong meat, according to Paul. Everyone is not ready for strong meat. Some people just need milk. This is for those who are looking for some meat, looking for something a little bit heavier, looking to make their election sure. See? Brother Joshua, let's go to Luke 11 and 39. The inner conflict. Luke 11, verse 39. What's that say, brother? And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. The what, brother? But your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Look at that. In spite of our external conformities, our whole moral life can be unclean and defiled. Brothers and sisters, the cleansing and purity of that which cannot be seen, they had no concern for. This is what Christ is showing you about the Pharisees. See, when Christians come and say we're Pharisees, they believe that the only people who followed the law were Pharisees. And they have to start reading the Bible again because Christ and the disciples followed the law, but they were not Pharisees. So Christians have been completely off when any time you ask a person about a law, uh, you know, they said you're a Pharisee. No, no, no. That's not what it means. A Pharisee, they followed the law, yes, but they neglected all the other parts. So if a person see you talking about not eating pork and following the Sabbath, but they see you dealing with all this anger, all this envy, all this jealousy, then they would be right in, you know, being able to call you a Pharisee. Because all the things you're telling them to do, yeah, you've done that. But all the inside stuff, they see you still haven't changed. You still haven't changed. So you're a Pharisee. So we all have to be careful, brothers and sisters, because our people, the Pharisees, these were our people. These were Israelites. So it's not above the realm of thought that we could be these people again. This was us. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 39. And the Lord said unto him, now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter. He said you clean the outside of the cup. But your inward part is full of ravenings and wickedness. See, so proving that external observances of the law can be deceptive if that is the extent of our concern. 
brothers and sisters. It proves that our people have a proclivity to use the law to cover our indwelling depravities. We've done this before. He said your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. All this you got going on under here, but yet, you know, you cleaned your shoes. You cleaned the shoes, but you haven't washed your feet in three months. This is what Christ is saying here. You're putting lipstick on a pig. This is where we are, brothers and sisters. Each man, each woman have to deal with self-examination and see, okay, I got the dietary law. I got the holy days. I got that. But what are some of the things that I know uh, I still have within me that I haven't dealt with? Because if you don't pull it out, the most high will pull it out of you, brothers and sisters. I'm speaking from experience. Brothers and sisters, follow us to the Old Testament now. First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. First Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a, as a man seeth. For man looketh at the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. Look at that. The Most High is not influenced by our outward facade or, you know, <laughs> good works that we manufacture. Brothers and sisters, our self-perception is limited. Why? Because of our inability to see beyond the outward appearance. I really want you to get the principle here. Could you read that again? Verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For the Lord does what? Seeth not as a man seeth. Why? For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See? Now this is critical, brothers and sisters, because historically speaking, the law has been a lullaby to our people. In times past, we have used the law to help tranquilize our conscience in order to neglect the inner man. We think we're good. We're good because we're not eating pork. <laughs> we think we're good because we see everyone else celebrating holidays and we're not doing it. And then you, th you, then you lay back. You fold your arms. And you think you're just waiting for Christ when you're not. We get rocked to sleep. It's happened many times, brothers and sisters, where we think, well, this is easy. <laughs> I heard one brother say, well, yeah, this walk is easy, man. Just don't eat no pork, you know. Celebrate Christmas. I'm like, brother, you, I know you got a bunch of iniquity. If you're talking about this is easy. This is not an easy walk, okay? Especially if you're examining yourself. Because why? Solomon, excuse me, Solomon said what? The more wisdom you obtain, the more grief. Why? Because the more you learn, you measure yourself against, honestly, you're seeing how you don't compare. You, you don't meet... You, you don't meet the measurement. None of us do at this point, brothers and sisters. I know too many Israelites who believe that they're just waiting on Christ. <laughs> no, he's giving you time to get right. Because the way we stand right now, many of us are not getting in. Because we're workers of iniquity. See? It's time, Israel. It's time. We have to deal with these things before we ascend to the throne. 
This stuff have to be eradicated. We have to fully examine ourselves, honestly, truthfully, self-audit. Nobody, it's not for anyone else. It's not to seem deep. It's not to impress anybody. We don't need to impress slaves, brothers and sisters. We're all slaves. I'm not looking to impress another slave. I need to be real with myself. You and I have to be real with ourselves and say, okay, I have a hard time submitting. Yes, I do. Whether that's a sister, because sisters have a hard time dealing with that. But yet they're not eating pork and they think they're virtuous daughters of Zion. Brothers, same thing. And that's just an example. We have to really deal with these things. Pull it out, put it on the table, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Timothy, brother, 1 and 8. Look at this scripture, brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy 1 and 8. 1 Timothy 1 verse 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Read that one more time. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Now look at this. Because this proves that what? There's a way in which the law can be improperly utilized. Brothers and sisters. The law was given to convince us of our sinfulness, not for tradition that only leads to external conformity. He said the law is good if a man use it lawfully. And many times we use it unlawfully. We use that to tranquilize our conscience. To say, okay, I don't need to deal with those other things because I'm not eating pork. Or I'm observing the Sabbath. But all those other things... See? So it is possible, and historically speaking, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. We have used the law to tranquilize our conscience, to rock us to sleep like a lullaby. That's why we went into captivity, brothers and sisters. We had the law that whole time. We were following those laws, but the heart was cancerous. It was cancerous, brothers and sisters. And that is the next step in your spiritual growth. Let's go to Philippians, brother. New Testament, still. Uh, we're going to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Read that one more time, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. Look at that, because Paul, who wrote 14 books in the Bible, says his self-examination and maturation shall never be concluded. He said, I have not counted myself to be a finished product, to have apprehended the prize. But this one thing I do, forgetting those which are behind. And reaching forth unto those which are before. Forgetting those things which are behind and doing what, brother? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now look at this, because the closer we get to completion, the more we should realize how much further we have to go. He said, fail to reflect on how much we've altered behaviors. Why? Lest we believe our present state is sufficient. So he's saying, all this, this is how much I changed and I used to do this and do this. He said, don't look back there. 
Because when you see that, you're going to actually believe you've done enough. <laughs> you're like, well, back then I was doing the club and drinking Hennessy, smoking marijuana. I don't do none of that. Okay, what do you, I mean, what do you want, a cookie? Keep going. Because it's not good enough. He's saying, don't worry about those things. Because the more you're looking in your past, you can't go forward. You ever seen a person driving, brothers and sisters, constantly, constantly looking in their rear view? That's how you get into an accident. He's saying, forget those things which are behind. Don't even ponder those things. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of high calling of God in Christ. So don't let yesterday's accomplishments derail you from the goal of your upward call, brothers and sisters. This is where we are. We're in the, the last days, brothers and sisters. It's, it's evident. And for the all people, but especially for the children of Israel, this is our next step. It's common knowledge all over the world, especially in America, that we are the people, brothers and sisters. You're seeing our brothers on corners. You can find YouTube, hundreds of thousands of YouTube pages of our people saying we're the Israelites. So, that, I mean, we're past that. That's not even, I mean, that's not even deep anymore, brothers and sisters. Yes, we're the Israelites. But now we have to deal with with the iniquity. We have to deal with that wicked heart that all children of Adam have. That's including Gentiles. So Gentiles must do this also. Everything we're reading applies to Gentiles also. Let's go to Galatians, brother, 6 and 3. Galatians, the 6th chapter, the 3rd verse. Galatians 6, verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Many Israelites deceive themselves with their self-suggested holiness, brothers and sisters. The author puts the emphasis on the method with which we lead our own minds astray. What is it, brother? Verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He does what? He deceiveth himself. So he or she who persuades themselves that they are somebody deceives themselves, including me, brothers and sisters. We are servants looking for the best way to serve. And we'll never be fully right until Christ comes back, brothers and sisters. Don't let this knowledge puff you up because why the Bible says that it, it has that kind of effect sometimes. That we start learning some of the prophecies, some of the deeper knowledge, and then you get a bunch of hot air in your chest. Like we're actually good enough right now. And we're not. We're not, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ezekiel 33 and 13, because here he's going to give us an example of those who think there's something when they're not. Follows to Ezekiel. 33 and 13, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 33, verse 13. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, 
If he trusts to his own righteousness. If he do what? If he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity. Commit what, brother? Iniquity. Here goes that word. All his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The text is speaking of spiritual self-complacency, brothers and sisters. The Most High knows our tendency to measure our righteousness by another man's wickedness. That's why he's saying this. Because we do what? We'll look at another brother or sister and say, well, at least I ain't, I mean, he doing all this sin. At least I only got a few things that I'm dealing with. <laughs> this is what we do. You look at a brother or a sister in their wickedness and measure yourself against them. And the Most High said, what, brother? Verse 13. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. All his righteousness will not be remembered. So it's telling you. Once we start believing we're good to go, and this is just easy, you know, I don't eat any unclean foods, right? I I don't celebrate pagan holidays. And we actually think that's it. He's saying once that happens, you continue or you start to commit iniquity. So then the hatred is there. The anger is there. The envy, the lust, the jealousy, all this stuff is there. He said, now your righteousness, none of your righteousness shall be remembered. Because our people protect themselves and do what? Insulate themselves by showing that, you know, I follow these laws. When really inside you're a wicked person. I know many Israelites who don't eat pork and observe the Sabbath who are not good people, brothers and sisters. And they don't eat unclean foods. They don't follow pagan holidays, but they're not good people. Read the last part, brother. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. See, so don't deceive yourself into believing that external conformity is a license to commit iniquity, brothers and sisters. Okay? Our external conformity means nothing while iniquity has a seat in our heart. Judgment on man is not determined by the, quanti uh, the, the quantity of his behavior con con conversions, brothers and sisters, but by the heart's condition. So a person may say, well, look, I changed on this and I changed on that and I used to be here and used to do that. Most high, he's not impressed. He's impressed with your heart's condition, not by how many things you've changed. This is, a, this is a very, very powerful text because it talks about how your righteousness shall not be remembered, brothers and sisters. So while we think we have all these good works and we start dealing with the iniquity, that's the danger of it, brothers and sisters. Iniquity is very, very dangerous. And we have to respect that. Or when you stand before him, you're going to find out then. You're going to find out then. Let's go to James, brother, 4 and 17. New Testament now. James, chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, 
to him and his sin. Now look at this. This is showing you that there's sins that are not written in Moses' law. <laughs> you see that sins that cannot be seen visually are just as wicked. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, so it's universally true that if a man knows what's right and does not do it, he or she is guilty of sin. See? To convert only that which can be seen visually would be a severe, severe miscalculation. Brothers and sisters, leaving the internal conversion unattended will prove incredibly detrimental in the end. For those who know what's right and don't do it, it is sin. So when the Most High is telling you, listen, son, you have to you have to deal with some forgiveness here. You have to stop being envious of that sister or that brother. You have to stop with the jealousy. You have to submit, okay? That brother that did this to you 10 years ago and molested you and all this, you got to forgive. Because <laughs> see, people will see that right there and then not do it. The submissiveness, not submit, submitting to the Most High. He's saying for you to know what's right and not do it, it is sin. See, brothers and sisters, go to John 9 and 41. The gospel. John 9, verse 41. What's that, son, brother? Christ said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it's our outward conversion to the Mosaic legislation that proves we're responsible for the unseen iniquity. See? It's our outward conversion that eliminates our ability to be pardoned through ignorance. Because you know what's right. Why? Because you're not eating pork. <laughs> you're not celebrating Christmas. You're observing the Sabbath. That means you know what's right. See that? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 41. Christ said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Now, what is he saying? It's like the dietary and ceremonial laws are contained in the same book with the moral laws. <laughs> so he's saying, yeah, you know about the other stuff in there too. And you choose not to, you know, you either choose to or choose not to acquiesce. To be subordinate, brothers and sisters. See? If you were blind, you would have no sin. Because why? You're blind. You don't, you don't even know that it's a sin. But those who claim to be in the truth, the, the sin remaineth. Why? Because you're only dealing with the parts that can be seen. Many of our people. So here it was. Excuse me. Here it is. All of us, brothers and sisters, we have work to do. Okay? This thing doesn't get old, brothers and sisters. We have so much work to do. Don't get caught out there. Don't get caught out there being lackadaisical. Believing this thing is getting old. It's not getting old. You stop growing. You stop growing. Let's go to Isaiah, brother Joshua, 5 and 21. 
We're going to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. Isaiah 5, verse 21. What's that say, brother? Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. Read that again, brother. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their, in their own sight. See, so because it's our claim to wisdom that holds us responsible to the judgment and the law. Isaiah knows that what? The self-adulation has a blinding effect on how we perceive ourselves. Woe, that's a curse. Be unto them who think that they're wise. <laughs> Why? Because at that point, you believe you're good enough. Why? Because you're measuring yourself against all the other wicked people. Your friends, your family. You're like, well, I know I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Nah. That's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Because now you start slow walking. You start half-stepping. We have to deal with those things that are unseen just as we deal with the things that are seen, brothers and sisters. We got work on our hands. This is where we stand today, brothers and sisters. Everyone, including me. Especially me. Let's go to Proverbs 5 and 22, brother. We're going to read 22 and 23. Proverbs 5, verse 22. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Read 22 again, brother, please. Verse 22, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall be what, brother? Holden with the cords of his sins. Iniquity, because it's visibly undetectable, it has an apprehensive nature. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? He said his own iniquities will take the wicked. He shall be held with the cords of his sins like a snare, like a trap. He'll be in bondage. Why? Because he can't see it. You see, brothers and sisters, the Most High designed the universe in such a way that there would be natural consequences for sin. Let's read those two scriptures again, brother. Verse 22. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. See, so iniquity is a dreadful possession to harbor in our temples. He shall die without instruction. He shall what? He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Mm. Brothers and sisters, unless this type of sin is repented of, destruction lies ahead. This is the worst type of sin. It's the most dangerous type of sin because it can go undetected. Not only to you, but to those around you. That is very, very dangerous, brothers and sisters. You may be able to fool me. You may be able to fool Brother Joshua. You may be able to fool your mama. But you cannot fool God. None of us can. Let's go to Jeremiah 6 and 10, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 6, verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning, that they may hear, 
Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Brothers and sisters, this is an indictment of God's people through the prophet of Jeremiah. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears uncircumcised. Their what? Their ears uncircumcised. Uncircumcised ear is a, is a figurative expression signifying the rejection of instruction. And they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. They have what? No delight in it. We have a tendency to neglect any uh, directives that are in opposition of what we desire. Brothers and sisters, it's never the Lord who's not speaking, but it is us who is not hearing. We act like we don't hear. We act like we don't see it. Yeah, you hear. <laughs> you do hear. And the Most High knows that. He knows us, brothers and sisters. So those, those, those things that he's been trying to communicate to me, to, to us, brothers and sisters, he knows that you hear him. He knows that you see it. You can act like you don't, but you're going to be judged like you do. Here we are. Game time is over, brothers and sisters. This is, life is not a game, especially this walk. When you get on the most highs, when you're enlisted in his army, it's no longer, you know, fun and games. That time is over. You're in a very dangerous predicament. Why? Because you're trying to fight against Satan. And if you don't continue on that path, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. So you're in a very dangerous place if you don't follow instruction. Let's go to Job 33 and 14, brother. Job, the 33rd chapter, the 14th verse. <clears throat> Job 33, verse 14. For God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not. According to the author, the Most High tries desperately to warn us. Brothers and sisters, the Most High does communicate with us. We must learn to do what? To discern His voice. Can you read that again? Verse 14. For God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Yet what, brother? Yet man perceiveth it not. And if one warning and admonition is not sufficient, what does he do? <laughs> He'll give another, brothers and sisters. Do you see See, the Most High is trying to help us. The author here emphasizes our negligence and inattention. The Most High speaketh once, twice, but man is not listening. And when we say man, we mean man and woman. See? So learning to clearly distinguish God's voice is what? It's invaluable, brothers and sisters. Because he is trying to communicate with us. We have to learn to discern. It will be the, one of the greatest things you've ever learned, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 18 and 16, brother. Follow us to the gospel, please. 
the inner conflict. Matthew 18, verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. The Most High will always send confirmation of previously stated directives. Brothers and sisters, it's the highest level of negligence to receive confirmation from the Most High, yet forsake it. Because here he's telling you that, you know, let by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let all things be established. So usually when he's trying to communicate, he'll send other people to you <laughs> that are saying the same thing that you already heard him say. You see, that's how he confirms things. So in Israel, in ancient Israel... If a brother, if somebody saw a brother steal, if there was no other corroborating witness, then it was like it, it didn't happen. But by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let all things be established. So it's imperative that we become spiritually discerning, brothers and sisters, because the Most High will communicate with us. In fact, he will send people to you to confirm what he's already communicated. Let's go to Matthew 12 and 43, brother. Let us show you something. Matthew, the 12th chapter, the 43rd through the 45th verse. Listen to this closely, people, especially you Christians. Matthew 12, verse 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Read that part again. Verse 45. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Proven that spirits will make a round trip just to double check on the occupancy. Brothers and sisters, according to this text, we all have the propensity to turn back. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So brothers and sisters, according to Matthew, the battles we face, we will have to overcome twice. Because it's telling you, once you're clean, usually this happens through fasting or through baptism, the spirit always comes back around just to check it out. It'll just check you out, see, you know, see what's going on, see if I find a way back in. Let's go back up to 43, brother. Verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So this verse tells us that the same demon will periodically return to see if a person has slipped. Brothers and sisters, the unclean spirit will attempt to again possess the man whom was his home. Read that one more time, 44. Verse 44, Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. 
Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. This text proves that our change is not always permanent. If we don't do well to sustain the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, now the demon understands he'll need to travel in groups or clusters. They understand this. Why? Because once you acknowledged it last time, you cast it out. So he knows that you have the ability to cast him out. So he's like, okay, I need to take seven other spirits so they really can't identify me. <laughs> you see? So now you got the anger, you got the jealousy, you got the envy, you got the lust. So you really don't even know <laughs> that it's coming from that one stronghold, that one foothold. See, he understands this. He understands how strong you are. If you've cast them out before, that means you could do it again. So he's like, well, nah, I need to come back with, I need to come back with some other spirits too. That'll take him more time. He'll have to cast those out one by one. You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 because we just read the importance of having the Holy Spirit because it said if it comes to that house and it's swept and garnished, which means there's no spirit there because you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you wide open. You wide open, brothers and sisters. Proving that what? Proving that just because you receive the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you always have the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Let's read 19 through 22, brother. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. Do what? Quench not the Spirit. Paul here proves that our behaviors that have an ability to quench the fire of the Holy Spirit, we do have those type of behaviors. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. So, brothers and sisters, he said, quench not the spirit. Why? Because in doing so, you are preventing her from what? Exerting her full influence, brothers and sisters. One of the main instruments of extinguishment is the neglecting of instruction. That's why it said, despise not prophesying. A person who can't be corrected. A person who can't submit or find instruct, follow instructions, that's how you extinguish or quench the spirit. See? Read that one more time from the top, brother, please. Verse 19. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Do what? Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. This is a call for discernment. Why? Because Satan will rule over you in any area of your ignorance, brothers and sisters. We see here that it is bad to even give the appearance of evil. How do we know? Read the next scripture, brother. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Do what? Abstain from all appearance of evil. Why? Because if you don't care how people perceive you, you will end up alone exactly where Satan wants you. See? So the most I said, well, Paul, the author is saying, abstain from even the appearance of evil. See? And if you don't care enough, then you've already shown something. <laughs> You're already showing something, some iniquity that's going on there. 
abstain from even the appearance of evil. So it may not actually be evil, but if it appears that way to other people and you don't care about that, then there goes that leaven again. Because you don't care if what you're doing will cause another brother or sister to stumble. You just care about doing what you want to do. See? Abstain from all appearance of evil. If you're not prepared to do that or willing to do that, then have you really changed? Let's go to Ephesians, brother, 4 and 30. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 30th verse. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed on the day of redemption. Believers are instructed to not grieve the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. And there are many ways to grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Verse 31. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now look at all this iniquity here, brothers. <laughs> See? He's telling you it's all the iniquity that grieves the Holy Spirit where she have to leave. Read that from the top, please, brother. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Look at this bitterness. Wrath. Now, brothers and sisters, dealing with bitterness. The Bible would not say be, you know, be careful of bitterness if life wouldn't give you things that could make you bitter. Wrath, right? Look at that. Now, wrath and anger is different because wrath is spontaneous, right? That's you. You just blow, go off the handle. Anger, clamor, evil, be put away from you. Malice. What's the next part say, brother? And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has so, forgiven you. So, brothers and sisters, the new man has to have control over his emotions. You see that, brothers and sisters? We notice that this list is all invisible sins, proving that the inner man is what subdues us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He said, instead, be tenderhearted, forgiving, just like Christ has forgiven you. The Most High in Christ has forgiven you. See, this is how you, it's the iniquity that grieves the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you will not make it. You will not make it. I don't care how many scriptures you think you know, how many, you know, how many meat trees you have on your head and how many fringes you wear. Doesn't matter. Without the Holy Spirit, you will not make it. And the Pharisees, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you could only receive it through baptism. They didn't believe in baptism. See? So automatically, a person who denies baptism is showing some iniquity. Why? Because you don't have, you got pride there. 
You don't want to humble yourself before everybody and say, listen, no matter how much I know or how much money I have, how nice I dress and all this stuff, I'm a sinner like everyone else. I need water. So the fact that you don't want to do that is already showing some iniquity. See? Brother Joshua, let's go to Proverbs 13 and 1, and then we're going to end it at Ezekiel 37. Proverbs, the 13th chapter, the 21st verse. What's that say, brother? Proverbs 13, verse 1. Evil pursueth sinners. That's uh, verse 21. Oh, said... Yeah, yeah, Proverbs 13 and 21. I think you said verse 1. Oh, sorry. Proverbs 13, verse 21. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Look at that, brothers and sisters. I, really, I want you to listen to Brother Joshua's words clearly. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 21. Evil pursueth sinners, mm. but to the righteous good shall be repaid. The author does what? He emphasizes how unavoidable the destruction of sinners is. It said, what did the first part say, brother? Verse 21. Evil pursueth sinners. Evil pursues sinners. Brothers and sisters. See? So the evil not only follows the transgressor, but lays hold of him and rings out its penalties. It says it pursues sinners. So retributory justice tracking our footsteps is a doctrine as old as the race. Brothers and sisters. Evil pursues sinners. So a person dealing with sin, you know, purpose, sin all over the place, evil will find them. It's going to chase you down until it catch you and subdue you. See? So we have to know, brothers and sisters, our, our lesson today was the inner conflict. We wanted to highlight, especially to people who are on, you know, who can digest meat right now. Some, some people are just dealing with milk. They're just learning about the Sabbath and different stuff like that. But some of us, those who've been with us for a while, been with us for years, you're not on milk anymore. You're on strong meat. And this is for you. Because a lot of times we get this far dealing with the dietary law. No more holy days. And we don't know where else to go. It's like we've hit a wall. We don't see where else we continue to grow. And this lesson was what? Was to highlight where we go next. This is where we go next. Let's go to Ezekiel 37 and 21. We're going to end it here, brothers and sisters. We're going to Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, the 21st through the 25th verse. Excuse me, one second, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 37 and 21. Ezekiel 37, verse 21. And say unto them, Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every, every side, and bring them into their own land. So he's saying he's going to gather the children of Israel, the natives, the Hispanics, the quote-unquote blacks. He's going to gather us from all the places that we've been dispersed and bring us back to Israel. Verse 22. And I will make them one nation 
in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all, Christ, and they shall be no more two nations. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Now, why does it say they shall no longer be two nations? Because you had the northern kingdom, which were the Hispanic and native tribes. And then you had the southern kingdom, who were the dark tribes, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi. And he's telling them that he's going he's gonna to knock down that wall partition and make us one again. We'll no longer be separate. Continue, brother. Verse 23. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their vestible things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will, I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. Now I'm showing you, he has to, our sin has to be put away. We must be cleansed. And then he will be our God. You see that, brothers and sisters? Continue. Verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. That's Christ. And they, Excuse me. That's Christ, the son of David. It's not saying that David's going to be reincarnated. This is speaking of Christ, the son of David. If you don't believe that Christ is the son of David, go read Matthew, the first chapter, where the lineage goes all the way from Abraham down to Christ. In David, if you don't know that, you know, the Most High promised David that the Messiah would come through his loins, you really need to start reading the Bible again. Because the whole purpose, <laughs> the whole purpose of the Bible was that he promised David that, a, a, you know, his great, great grandson would be the Messiah. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments, and observe my statutes, and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they, and their children, and their children's children, forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Brothers and sisters, what is this? This is what we call the restoration of Israel. Where our people are going to be cleansed of their sins. Walk away from our transgressions and our iniquities. The Most High is going to bring the dispersed Israelites back into the promised land to be what? To be the preeminent nation of the earth. So what are we learning? We're learning that the Most High said, if we can overcome that old man, he will put us over all men. You have to overcome that old man first. That's who you have to subdue. You have to tie that old man down in order to be over men, Israel. Because why? If you can't defeat your old man, you don't deserve to be over any men. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, was the inner conflict where we wanted to highlight um, the two natures that dwell within all men and women. Why? Because we know that in order to win that war from within, you must understand the magnitude of that inner conflict. No longer are we going to minimize and diminish the importance of this battle.
this unseen battle, brothers and sisters. For those of us who got the law down packed and, you know, haven't dealt with holidays and all this stuff in some time, this is the next step, brothers and sisters. This is how you make your election sure, not by not eating pork. That's not making your election sure. How do we know? Muslims don't eat pork. <laughs> Are they going to heaven? <laughs> so there's something else, brothers and sisters. It's that next level. The iniquity. Today's lesson, the inner conflict. We want to say, Kwam Yashar Allah. Kwam Yashar Allah. Sin no more. Sin no more.